And here we go, another episode of the For All podcast here at SPCA Tampa Bay, Largo, and St. Pete, if you count the pet hospital, and we do every single day. My name is Eric Keaton. We have a lot of guests on the program. We have Camille and Laura standing by and what I'm going to call the cat cave today to talk a little bit about kitten season coming up. And then we will also recap our winner from our social media contest. We had over 100 entries. We'll talk about that later. Some summer heat tips for your pets. Talk with Spencer Conover from Pasco County Animal Services. But first we have barking news. That's right. We don't have breaking news here on the For All Podcast. It is barking news. And to recap our barking news, we have to talk all things Pet Walk. A couple of weeks ago, if you missed it, folks, our 31st annual Pet Walk, it was tremendous, especially when you compare it to our first big event that we had after the pandemic, I guess you could say in 2021, 2022 version. There's Martha, our CEO and Great Explorations, one of our sponsors and community partners, along with the St. Pete City Council, leading us out for the pet walk. This line was about three minutes long once it got started. Definitely a 180 from 2021 because we had to have the wave starts down there at North Straw Park. We raised almost $140,000 thanks to the community fundraisers, individuals, volunteers, staff members. Uh, it was just wonderful. There's some of our staff, volunteers, Colleen Cherry, our volunteer coordinator, did a wonderful job. We had a lot of high school kids, Love My Dog Resort, Hills Pet Nutrition, all there, ABC Action News, uh, all helping us with our, our sponsorships, TD Cynics, Dale Badway, our fantastic MC course opening up my favorite part when dale shows up is he introduces himself which i think we're going to have to do something i know he likes to introduce himself before he takes the stage but uh we're going to have to uh have some unique voice to start introducing him maybe we'll uh digitize his voice a wonderful turnout the costume contest uh, of course wonderful volunteers frankie and donna urban dog studio they've been on the podcast before and of course, so many different dogs, shapes and sizes, and breeds, just like our, our for all shelter. Uh, we started setting up on a Friday in a little bit of the rain. Thank goodness that ABC Action News and their meteorologists uh, gave us a great forecast and held off the rain. I know Matt has a little bit more video, but I also wanted to talk about some of the top fundraisers and top uh, lifetime fundraisers before we get into the top 20 cities for dogs that uh, came out last week. Our Pet Walk winners, one more time, in case you missed it, the top fundraiser and top teams, lifetime fundraiser, Teresa Hiheman. Every time I say that, I, I wanna say it like Michael Jackson. <laughs> and I can't do that very well. So we'll keep going. Matt, our producer is, is laughing. Uh, just keep rolling through them there, Matt, and I'll catch up. Shelly Askin, one of our newest ambassadors, who will be covering our 2022 class in a future episode here of the For All podcast. She uh, raised, I think, 3,700 plus dollars. Way to go. What else we got there? Uh, top fundraising team, St. Pete City Council, our CEO, met with them uh, last week uh, for a pet walk uh, resolution and being recognized. Of course, we're recognizing them. They did a wonderful job, close to $9,000. Power Design had the largest team, met a couple of their participants out there as well. 
And we also had uh, Sarah Hunt was the paddleboard winner. Yes. I know she was the paddleboard winner because I helped them carry it to their car. And I hope uh, this Easter weekend they're out enjoying the, the great weather uh, with that paddleboard, which they earned because, you know, they raise money for SBCA Tampa Bay. Let's talk about uh, some of the top 20 cities uh, that uh, this media report came out uh, earlier this week. And uh, I think we should give credit to the St. Pete Paws organization because obviously St. Pete and Tampa show up on the list for some of the top destinations across the country. How Madison, Wisconsin is America's most dog-friendly city? I have no idea. I mean, I think because we're talking Pasco County, Newport Ritchie should have been on the list too, along with Dade City and some of the other destinations that they have. Uh, Dunedin probably should have been on there, but uh, if you roll through and look at St. Pete, I think one of the key indicators in their methodology here was it's a top destination for veterinary services. And of course, we know that because SPCA Tampa Bay Veterinary Team uh, is located down there very close uh, to Tropicana Field as well. And of course, Tampa uh, being ranked, uh, I think we're showing them at number 16. But uh, top destinations, Pinellas County is a top destination for dogs and cats, and so is Pasco County. So it's a good time to bring in the assistant director of their animal services, and that is Spencer Conover. He is doing a wonderful job. Actually, I had the chance to meet Spencer in person, even though we're here on the StreamYard broadcast at a conference in Orlando. Spencer, how you doing, man? I'm doing incredible, Eric. How are you doing today, man? Doing wonderful. I mean, Pasco County Animal Services, I have to give full disclosure here. I used to work for the county a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I love this, the story you shared at the conference. Absolutely. It was life-changing. But Animal Services uh, has come a long way in the county. Can you, you know, catch up some of our, our listeners and viewers of how far it's come? Because I can remember there wouldn't be many people show up at a public meeting on taxes. But if we were talking something about animal services, man, they were lined up and it was standing room only. Please yeah, 100%. Yeah, as recently as, as 2012, um, the save rate for the organization in Pasco County was not very good. Uh, there was about a 25% to 35% save rate uh, at Pasco County Animal Services as recently as 2012. Uh, meaning 65% to 75% of the animals that came into the shelter died. They were killed. Um, in 2013, the county wanted a different a different path. And so they adopted the Save 90 model, which is very similar to a no-kill model. It's the language that the county commissioners at the time chose. And at the heart of every good no-kill mission is, is a compassionate and dedicated leader. And that's when the organization brought in uh, Mike Shoemate. Mike Shoemate is the current director of animal services here in Pasco County. And he's done just such a phenomenal job. He entered the organization in 2014. And I'm proud to say in 2019, uh, the organization achieved its first ever no-kill year, uh, 91%. And they've maintained, uh, we have maintained a no-kill status at uh, and above 90% every year since. Um, it's taken a lot of work. Um, like you mentioned, uh, Mike tells me the horror stories previous to my time with the organization about uh, county commissioner meetings and, and advisory committee meetings. The, or the community was not happy. And although oftentimes this industry backs away 
um, from that criticism or tries to deflect that criticism. One thing that the organization did a really good job was not only accepting that criticism, but partnering with those individuals to help fix the problem. And so um, completely changed it around, increased uh, medical spending, increased life saving. And so it's been an incredible journey for us, culminating with the most recent change that we've had with the organization, which is adopting a community-based sheltering model and helping not only to save animals in the shelter, but man, can we keep them out of the shelter and keep them with their owners and see if we can help, you know, do some medical stuff to help do some surgery, help give them some supplies. And man, maybe the dog or cat doesn't need to come into the shelter at all. And so the various programs that we're offering now, um, definitely different than it was a decade ago. Oh, definitely. And congratulations. And, and Thank you. A bit about the outreach and how progressive you guys are because i think we both would agree in, in our business it's it is all about the animals yeah but it's also working with the people yeah with these animals as well and yeah 100 responsibility because you're funded from a lot of those people that yeah. you're serving every day yeah, you know, we are very blessed in Pasco County. We are not under fire rescue. We are not under code enforcement. We're not under the sheriff's office. We are under the public services branch in Pasco County. And we absolutely love that because we truly are public. Servants. And yeah, about the animals and you got to love animals to work in this industry. But like you said, Eric, it's about it's about the people and we are we are public servants. You know, the demand from the community was to create a no-kill environment. And we had to not only do that internally, but we had to partner with them. I'll give you a great example. If a person brings a, uh, you know, we get a call from a citizen, hey, this dog's out, this dog's out, this dog's out. You know, we've gotten four or five complaints about that dog. We go out there and yep, the dog's running loose and we have every right in our ordinance to impound that dog, take it to the shelter, vaccinate it, treat it when it gets sick, feed it, try to find it a new owner. But instead, we're trying to take on this philosophy of, you know what, let's knock on that pet owner's door. And let's see what's going on. And, you know, recently a situation where we knock on the pet owner's door and it's like, hey, I got three intact male dogs and there's a big hole in my fence. Right. And so where we could spend thousands and thousands of dollars impounding those animals and, you know, trying to find them a new owner, let's neuter them. Let's run down to Lowe's or Home Depot, pick up some plywood, help, you know, the citizen fix their hole in their fence and give the dogs back to them. You know, we, this has kind of played out a couple of times in our community. And we really call it community-based sheltering because it's how can we keep those animals in the community? You know, a lot of people think us in animal services, animal welfare, our goal is to adopt out animals. It's not. I don't want to take in any animals to the shelter. If we can keep every animal with their pet owner, we're actively trying to put ourselves out of business. And I love it every single day. And so if we can continue with these progressive methods of trying to keep people with their pets, hey, if somebody comes in and they have, they have to give up their dogs, they can't afford pet food. It's way more effective to give you some pet food and then help you out in that time of need rather than take the animal in and try to find a new home. And so these little ways that we're trying to create this community relationship, and not only has it helped the animals in our community, but that criticism that was received 10 years ago from all those advocates and all those community members who were hating on, on the organization, now they're jumping to the defense of the organization and they're supporting that no-kill mission, which is really cool to see. It's cool to be a part of, too. And, and uh, I was at the, on Dogpatch Lane, the, the shelter, when it opened, had the, the grand opening. What, walk us through, that was a great example, which you gave us through what was yeah. going on outside in the community. What's a typical day like there at the, the shelter on Dogpatch Lane yeah. for your staff and the community coming in? What's the experience like for them? Well, it's, it's funny. We had, um, you know, at county commissioner meetings, there's always a, a public comment. And somebody showed up about a year and a half ago and made a public comment about 
Um, I need more money for animal services because their shelter is so dark and dingy and animals are dying. And the commissioner actually stopped the person making the comment. So when was the last time you were out there? And they said, oh, it had to be about 2009. And the commissioner made a comment about, you might want to go out and visit animal services. And so we always encourage everybody to come in. One thing about our organization is we're unbelievably transparent. We have a beautiful facility. Um, the newest building was built in 2011. And we've done major renovations to our, our original building, which was built sometime in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, but went through almost a three quarter of a million dollar um, renovation over the last three years. And so top of the line kennels, uh, sound abatement. Um, we offer... Uh, throughout the week, we're open Tuesday through Saturday to the public for adoption. We also offer twice weekly um, public vaccination clinics and their uh, affordable veterinary care. Um, that was another thing, a great example of voice of the customer and demand from the public. When we first started those um, in 2015, 2016, uh, it was rabies shots and microchips, and that was it. And the questions we kept getting were, hey, you know, I got to put my dog into boarding. Do you guys do Bordetella? Or, hey, you know, I really want to know if my dog has heartworm. Do you do that test? And we listened to the customers. And now, not only has become a great revenue resource for us, even as affordable it is, as it is, it's become an incredible resource for the community. Twice weekly, you come in, make an appointment, you're going to get your dog or your cat seen and get those affordable veterinary care right there at a municipal government animal shelter, which is really, really cool. And we love being able to provide those programs and services traditionally you know thought of with a private nonprofit organization at a government shelter because it's just killing that stigma of hey you guys are the dog pound you guys are the dog catchers we're really partnering with the community to create that better future for our pets and our citizens you know i think another way you guys partner with the community is letting people know who you are who mm -hmm. the county administrator is and who mike shoemate is and what i'm talking about is the pasco podcast yeah. Which I think that's a great way. Yes, it's really about PASCO. You know, how are we uh, getting better as an organization? But it's also a way of the community getting on there and saying, I need to go talk to these guys. Yep. You know, what are they like? So how valuable is it to have that that community in, involvement and to have a PASCO podcast? Because let me tell you, 10, 15 years ago when I was there, that was a no. Not a thing. Not a thing. Oh, not a thing. It's been really it's been really cool to see and really we are blessed i say it all the time we're blessed that we're under public services we're also blessed that we have such support from our county commissioners county administrator and assistant county administrator they support us in everything we do and one of the ways they've shown that recently is yeah involving animal services in something like the Pasco podcast, which not only gets our voice out there and allows us to share our story of our organization, but it, it humanizes our organization as well. It shows that our team, they're people, they're citizens, they're Pasco citizens, just like everyone that's listening. And we demand the same thing as our team that, that you would if you were a citizen. So to be able to get on that podcast, to work directly alongside the county administrator, to share our story, to share the success that the team has had, and to share the room where we say, hey, you know what? There are still some areas where we need improvement. And community, this is where uh, this is where we need help. I know you guys are, are, are going to be talking a little bit later about kitten season, and kitten season is upon us. And, you know, um, you know, platforms like that, media like that, allows us to get on there and say, hey, guys, kitten season's a real problem problem and we need help and you as a community can help us and here's how and so to have that partnership with county administration is is paramount we would we, we can't replace it with anything and another season that's coming up is hurricane season yeah i used to tell everybody it's, it's the one season unlike major league baseball where they can have a strike or the, yeah and say we're just not going to play 
Hurricane season does not cooperate. Yeah. Mother Nature says, folks, you are playing. Can you talk about in Pasco, there's a special place. I believe it's still at the Fasano Hurricane Shelter. Yep. That still accepts in pets and everything. Could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah, here it's kind of a unique situation. Us as Pasco County employees, um, like many county employees in the state of Florida, if there is an emergency activation, we are tasked with opening up shelters for people around Pasco County, uh, whether it's in a hurricane flood zone or if there's a sinkhole or any kind of emergency situation. The vast majority of ours are hurricane. Animal services is unique. We don't actually go to the people shelters. We are tasked with opening five pet friendly shelters in Pasco County, one of which is the hurricane, um, the hurricane center up at the Fasano water train, uh, water plant up there um, off of Denton. And we are able to open up a, a facility um, up to five. And with Irma, it was, it was five facilities uh, that are pet friendly. And so if you are evacuating in Pasco County, you don't feel like you have to leave your pet behind. I mean, we know in today's day and age, people are making decisions in their lives as for their pets as much as they're making for their family members and their children. And so the ability for Pasco County to have these facilities and for animal services, part of public services to be a part of that and to be able to open those shelters and say, Hey, come be safe with your family. And by the way, bring your dogs and cats too. And we'll help you care for them while we all ride this thing out together is really, really cool. Spencer, anything else to add about uh, Pasco County and taking care of animals? We really appreciate the support from our community and I can't say it enough. I don't know that, we really do show up to work every single day and it's a partnership between our organization, our partner organizations, like our rescue groups and our volunteers, the County administration, and then our citizens, our people, our, our community. And it's a really, really cool partnership that we have. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And we appreciate the opportunity to come on and share our story um, with individuals like yourself. So thank you, Eric. Not a problem. And folks, former sports journalist. Yeah. Who would have thought it? Saving know? animals, right, Eric? Two former sports guys saving animals. That's right. But somehow still involved with being uh, on a camera. But that's YouTube's fault. Yeah. And Thanks, so Eric. Got to get the, the word out. Spencer, thank you so much. Boy, Pastor, Appreciate it. really come a, a long way with uh, not just animal services, but uh, uh, all the uh, services that you can community uh, outreach uh, that they have. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about kitten season coming up. Camille is standing by with one of our behavior specialists, Laura, to talk uh, with Milo, one of their cats. Stay with us. Situations welcome here. Shelter care training so pets are safe and healthy. We're here for you, have no fear. A place for our community for creatures big and small. SPCA Tampa Bay for all. Dogs, cats, pocket pets, reptiles, livestock. Birds and wildlife too. 
No matter where you come from or what you've been through, we are here for you. A place for our community, for creatures big and small. SPCA Tampa Bay for all. Welcome back to another episode, I believe episode number seven here in 2022 of the For All podcast. Our first since the pet walk that happened back on April 2nd. And as we move into getting closer to hurricane season, we're getting ready to have kitten season. Everybody's, what is that? Camille Harkenrider and Laura have the lowdown inside what I'm calling the cat cave along with a very special guest. How's it going, Camille? Good, good. How are you? We're doing wonderful. I know you guys were listening to uh, Spencer's conversation, and he mentioned a little bit about uh, kitten season. But please introduce us uh, to more about what Laura does, but also Milo there, who is probably <laughs> he's going to start making laps around the uh, little. Oh <laughs> yeah, of course. As soon as the camera turns on, he's like, "That's how you play." But this is Milo and Laura. Laura is our behavior extraordinaire here at the shelter. And she's got our little bud, Milo, who he's six months old. He was brought into the shelter about a month ago. And he actually just had surgery called an enucleation, which is just a fancy term for he had his eye stitched up. It was missing when he was found and brought into us, but we performed a little procedure to make sure that it heals properly and that it doesn't cause any further injury to him. So he's here. That hasn't slowed him down a bit. He is the most playful little guy ever. <laughs> Nothing can stop him, not even this little cone of shame. And he's running around like a crazy little man. So he feels no shame. No shame at all. It is the cone of confidence for Milo. <laughs> Of course, but, Milo. When will Milo go to the adoption floor? He is currently available, actually. So, if anybody wants to come in uh, and adopt him today, at 1 p.m., he is good to go. He'll just have to wear the cone for a little bit longer. Yeah. Right now, we have 23 cats up for adoption, including Milo. My favorite cat name on that list is Kangaroo. I mean, you've got a cat <laughs> name. <laughs> I, I, and then dogs, we have 32, including one named Bingo. I mean, if you name your dog Bingo, you could get into an Abbott and Costello conversation. What's your dog's name? Bingo. They're like, no, what's your dog's name? Bingo. <laughs> they, they probably don't get it, Matt, because I yeah, got the whole who's yeah. on first. Woo, whatever their heads. Uh, critters, we have 42, including two lizards and a bunny named Cafe Dumont. I love Cafe Dumont. He's been here for love a while. New Orleans? But uh, he probably is from New Orleans. Uh, please share with us a little bit more about uh, kitten season and the importance of having the kittens uh, spay and neutered because it's almost like one of those, again, before your time, an old shampoo commercial long time ago. I believe it was by Breck. And they said, uh, I shampoo my hair with Breck and if you tell two friends and so on. And pretty soon it just exponentially ex exploded on the screen with so many people and that's what can happen if it's a couple kittens do not get spay or new that's right yeah so kitten season although it sounds magical and like the best time of the year it refers to an uncontrolled season of breeding among unaltered cats whether they're feral or owned pets in most places kitten season is um, taking place in spring and summer months 
but in others, especially Florida, it can last for many months and even through most of the year. Yeah, so as Spencer mentioned, we are, if not already in kitten season, right around the corner from kitten season. Yeah, it's have, here. It's definitely <laughs> arrived. We have several kittens here in the shelter already, and um, it's a great time for us to really educate the community on the importance of spay and neuter and um, just talk about the different resources that are available through our shelter and a vet center. So we would like to talk a little bit about the vet center program that we have. We offer limited availability for TNVR, which is trap, neuter, vaccinate, and release. Um, we have appointments available every so often for people to bring in um, community animals to get them uh, taken care of so that we can help control the feral cat population. As you can see here, this little fancy diagram, one cat can quickly turn into many cats. Um, <laughs> in as little as 16 months, you can have 36 cats from just one mama, kit, kitten, or cat. So it's definitely something that we're trying to encourage people to get involved in if you notice that you have a higher cat population in your neighborhood. Um, but unfortunately, our shelter does not offer any TNVR program, but our vet center does. So make sure that you call, you get an appointment schedule because that is required. Um, we also offer spay and neuter uh, program for your pets. So if your pets are not spayed or neutered, definitely get them in. And um, not only does it help reduce the unwanted litters in the community, but also can help prolong their lifespan. So definitely give us a call and get that scheduled as soon as you can. Um, and they're in good hands with our very own Dr. Lopez, who has performed over 20,000 spay neuter surgeries. So you can trust that your animals will be taken great care of while they're with us. Now let's say that number again, 20,000. <laughs> 20,000. Dr. Lopez. I mean, it's just yeah. a day's work and that's just what he does. So yep. he is, he is a, a wonderful asset to, to the community. But uh, kitten season, it's funny, a few weeks ago in an episode, we were talking about National Puppy Day and taking care of puppies. Who's <laughs> here with us some of the, uh, the tips for taking care of your kittens? So with it being kitten season, like Camille said, we've already seen an increase in the amount of litters and kittens that are being brought into our shelter, which also means more getting adopted, which is awesome. Um, a big thing that our behavior department emphasizes for the animals that are in our care is an enrichment program. Um, enrichment is important for cats of any age, but especially kittens. It's a really important part of their development. And being sure that you spend um, ideally two 15 to 20 minute sessions of interactive play with your pet daily, especially kittens, it increases the bond that you have between your pet. And it also helps prevent stress and the development of abnormal behaviors. Um, providing an enriching environment for little guys like Milo supports their overall well being and it prevents boredom, it allows them to engage in natural play behaviors. Um, a few signs that your pet may not be getting enough enrichment um, could include anything like over grooming, um, change in eating habits, change in sleeping habits. Um, they may have weird little outbursts of aggression, excessive vocalization, anything like that. But 
Um, fun little toys like this. Um, kittens go nuts. Um, sometimes just a paper bag is enough to keep them busy for 20, 30 minutes. My cat's favorite <laughs> toy is a paper so bag. Most of them aren't picky, but just being sure that you spend daily time engaging with your pet is really important for their overall health. Anything else to add, Camille or Laura, about kitten enrichment or spay or neuter or any of the cats that we have up for adoption? We just, to reiterate, we have lots of kittens available right now. So if you're interested, please come and check them out today. Um, if you don't have a big budget for your cats to give them enrichment, there are lots of little things that you can make at home, like these little um, toilet paper roll enrichment toys. You just can cut a little hole in here with some scissors, stuff some treats in here, fold up the ends, and that'll keep them busy for quite some time. They love it. They love the treats. And, and they're cheap and easy to make. Very cheap <laughs> and easy to make. Even your kids can make them. So um, that's just a really great idea for a DIY enrichment toy. Because um, I know some of that stuff can get expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but there are lots and lots of options all over the internet in the pet stores. So go crazy. And come meet Milo. And come meet Milo. <laughs> yes, he's ready to go home. He's ready to... Get some playtime in outside of the shelter. It all makes sense to me now why we had a toilet paper shortage during the pandemic because everybody was making enrichment toys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Another barking news. We figured it out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, pretty sure somebody mentioned that a long time ago. Yeah, we have a lot of volunteers that uh, help us make those and absolutely items uh, for dogs as well. Wonderful. Great job. Laura, great job. Camille, great job. Yeah. Lila, we won't be seeing you anymore because you're going to be adopted by the end of the day. That's the way it works here on the, the Full All Podcast. All right, folks, coming up next, we have another mini commercial break. Same thing you saw last time, but we're going to flip it around because we are so awesome. And then we're going to talk about some summer uh, pet tips uh, to keep your pet cool during the summer. So stay with us here on the Full All Podcast. All shapes, colors, species, breeds, ages, situations, welcome here. Shelter care training, so pets are safe and healthy. We're here for you, have no fear. A place for our community, for creatures big and small. SPCA Tampa Bay for all. Dogs, cats, pocket pets, reptiles, livestock, birds, and wildlife, too. No matter where you come from or what you've been through, we are here for you. A place for our community for creatures big and small. SPCA Tampa Bay for all.
Welcome back. I'm Eric here with the For All podcast, episode number seven here of 2022. Uh, we're always talking about the animals in our Largo shelter, and we also want to talk with our veterinary center down in St. Pete and talk to Rebecca Sheese. She has important information on keeping your pets safe during the summer. Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Rebecca Sheese with the SPCA Tampa Bay Veterinary Center. The summer season is right around the corner, so let's talk about keeping your pets cool. Florida's hot temperatures means finding ways to keep cool, like keeping the air conditioning running and staying hydrated. Protecting your pets against the heat is just as important. Heat is dangerous for pets because their bodies don't regulate temperature the same way as humans. Because pets have fur, they don't sweat. Instead, they cool themselves by panting, which is a much slower process for cooling the body. Here are some tips to help keep your pets safe. Keep your pets cool in the shade. We have many pet-friendly restaurant patios from Dunedin to St. Pete. Retailers and festivals also provide more options than ever for pets to join their owners for daily activities. These shared activities are great for bonding with your pet, but you'll need to find a shady spot for them to escape the sun and bring plenty of fresh water with you. Check the event you're attending to make sure they have accommodations for pets. Additionally, if you're enjoying the pool time or playtime in your backyard, consider giving pets a break to cool off indoors. Too much time in the sun can put them at risk for heat stroke. It may not be as much fun, but consider leaving your pets at home. Errands before or after visiting a pet-friendly venue can be dangerous for your pet. A quick trip to the bank or a stop at the grocery store can easily turn into 10 minutes or more, and you may be forced to leave your pet alone in the car longer than you anticipated. This poses a risk because the temperature in the vehicle can rise by 20 degrees in as little as 10 minutes. In only 15 minutes, a pet left inside a hot car can sustain brain damage or even die from heat stroke. If you must take your pet with you on errands, keep the car running with the air conditioning turned on. When you take your pet for a walk, consider going in the early morning or evening hours. Concrete pavement, blacktop surfaces, and bricks can heat up quickly in the sun and burn your pet's paws, a painful accident that veterinarians see often. Avoid walking or running with your dog in the middle of the day. When the sun is at its strongest, the temperatures are at their peak. Surfaces can be cooler along with the air temperatures in the mornings and evening hours. Refrain from taking your pet on bike rides. Having your dog run alongside your bike can be dangerous for you and your pet. Your attention is split between keeping control of both your dog and your bike, making it more likely that you could have an accident. Because you're focused on potential road hazards, you may not pick up on cues that your dog is tired or overheated as quickly as you would during a walk. And finally, and most important, is to know the signs of heat stroke. Early signs of heat stroke can be subtle, such as your pet seeming less responsive than normal to general commands. Clear symptoms can include heavy panting, lethargy, lack of appetite, a dark tongue, a rapid heartbeat, fever, dry mucus, restlessness, vomiting, bloody diarrhea, excessive thirst, thick saliva, and lack of communication. Pets can exhibit one or all of these symptoms during heat stroke. If you think your pet is experiencing heat exhaustion or stroke, rush to the nearest veterinarian or animal hospital. The most important thing to do is get your pet to the nearest vet as quickly as possible for treatment. Use your GPS to find the nearest vet or animal hospital immediately. If it's the weekend or a holiday, Google search for the nearest animal emergency clinic. 
On your way to the veterinarian, you can start lowering your pet's body temperature by placing wet towels or ice packs wrapped in towels along your pet's chest, abdomen, or neck. Let your pet drink small amounts of water or lick some ice cubes. For more information on pet health and other pet blog topics, visit our website. All right, well done. Well done, Dr. Sheets, and she will be on with more pet tips in future episodes here of our For All podcast. Okay, the moment you've been waiting for. Our marketing team does a great job of promoting the For All podcast and a special contest every two weeks when we have an episode. And we had about 100 entries on social media for this one. And of course, what do you get? This time it's a nice SBCA swag bag. Uh, has a lot of great items, uh, a drawstring that you can put uh, a lot of pet supplies in and you can take out uh, on the trail and keeping your pet out of the heat or taking them for a walk early in the morning or later in the evening, uh, staying out of this uh, tough Florida heat. So our winner, Matt, let's reveal it. Who's going to win? It is from Instagram, the Instagram name, Lemmy Hart. Congratulations. I believe you'll have to instant message us or we will instant message you to claim that swag bag and our team will make sure that uh, we can mail it to you or you can come pick it up here at the shelter or we can send it down if you're closer to the, the veterinary center and uh, make that drop off, make the exchange. That's going to do it for this edition of the For All Podcast. Remember, if you have a story idea or you want to get in contact with us, you can go to podcast at SPCA Tampa Bay or send it to information at SPCA Tampa Bay, uh, that email, and go to our website. And we also have a podcast page. And you can hook us up on Facebook and, and YouTube as well. Make sure to like and subscribe and share the information. I know it does good for, uh, for all the analytics, but it does even better for people in the community and pet owners to learn more of this valuable information. Uh, that we have to share. And you can also learn about the events and what we're going to be out in the community. Okay, for Matt, uh, for Kristen, for Camille, for Laura, for Amanda, and everybody else. Am I missing anybody, Matt, that was involved in the podcast? Dr. Shees? Dr. Shees. Our, our guest, our Spencer. Yep. Wonderful time. All right, we'll see you on the next episode. Everybody have a happy Easter.